If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. So I know a lot of times people like, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but when I get a lot of plans on my calendar, sometimes I like pray that someone else is going to cancel because I just want to like stay home in my sweatpants. But every time I go out, I'm so grateful I did. And so commit and show up. Just make that your priority. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. I honestly cannot believe that it is already that time of year again where I am reviewing the entire year. This is the classic gold digger, what worked, what sucked, and what's next episode. And selfishly, I love recording these episodes because it's kind of like this little time capsule that I can go back to and visit year after year to remember where I was in this stage and season of life, motherhood, and business. So today I'm going to recap this last year, and I'm going to also in the recap, give you some tips and tricks and strategies that I learned along the way, both in the things that I got right and in the things that I got wrong. Without further ado, let's dive on in to this year's review. 2023 was the year of AI. It's all anyone has been talking about. Every business pro with a news feed has heard it's time-saving and game-changing. But how can it actually help you brainstorm ideas, create lead-driving content, and tackle your to-do list? Meet HubSpot's new AI-powered campaign assistant, a totally free AI tool tailor-made for marketers and business builders who spend hours each day on content creation. Campaign Assistant is a game-changer for creating marketing campaigns 
campaigns at scale. It quickly turns your key selling points into cohesive pitches, which helps you deliver knockout emails, ads, and landing pages in just minutes. And you can start seeing the benefits fast. Just choose your content type, input a few key points, pick a tone like friendly or witty, and let the AI robots handle the rest. You can copy and paste the content to whatever channel you'd like, or even convert it directly into publishable campaigns without leaving your HubSpot interface. So work smarter, not harder. Head to HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assistant to test drive campaign assistant for free. That's HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assistant. So one of the first things that I did when I was preparing for this episode is I wrote a lot of notes and something that was really fun to do was to look back at last year's episode. That was the same theme, the same review and kind of look at what went really well last year and what sucked of last year. And as I sat down to record this, it was kind of wild because I was thinking about all of the different things that really sucked about last year and then thinking about how those things showed up this year. So to review. Last year, one of the things that sucked, limited alone time, struggling to work out, learning how to honor my ADHD, exploring more hobbies, fostering more friendships, and figuring out how to be a mom of two kids. Now, what's interesting is that most of these things that fell under the what sucked category of last year actually fall under the what worked category for this year. And it wasn't necessarily intentional. I hadn't revisited that list until a couple days ago. And so it was really interesting and kind of seeing how things flip flopped. And I think a lot of it has to do with motherhood. Every single season is temporary and fleeting. And the only constant is change. But I also think that when you can recognize that there's an area that you're struggling in or something that you want to get better at, and when you either consciously or subconsciously put that out there, you can start to make little bits of progress. So I want to start with what worked in 2023 and highlight those things. So the first thing that I want to highlight is that I started to get in the practice of figuring out how to claim more me time. And remember, that was a struggle last year. And what's interesting is, is that I didn't really get it to a place where I felt like I was actually claiming more me time until Q4 of this year. So basically, like when school started up again in fall. So one of the things that we did is we transitioned to a four day work week, which has been so helpful for me, for my team. It's been really amazing. I just feel like we're coming alive with different hobbies and passions and things. And what also has been really helpful with that is that I've kind of now been using Fridays as like a day for myself. Like I am fully all in hands on parenting all weekend long, no breaks, but Fridays are now kind of what is considered or coined in our household as my sacred day. So I tell this story on the podcast and I told it a few months ago when I went to see my friend Thea, who inspired my book, and she brought up this idea of a sacred day. Now, Thea has grown children. She's single. So this notion of a sacred day for her made a lot of sense. But when I was thinking about what is this going to look like? I have two young kids. I have a business to run. I have a lot of responsibility. I have a house that needs cleaning. I couldn't even envision getting a sacred hour, but Thea started to challenge me. Now, one thing that's really interesting is that for our entirety of parenthood, so nearly five years, we have had no outside help. 
And I've done a lot of unpacking around why that was a point of pride for me. I was really proud of the fact that like we were just like in it together, like in the weeds of parenting together. Now, Drew is a stay at home dad, which is a massive privilege. But the fact that I was juggling work and mom life and doing all the things, I felt really proud of myself for that. But I really struggled at this idea that we could invite help in. You know, there's a million reasons in my brain of like, well, Drew's a stay at home dad. So why would we need extra help? I have a flexible schedule. Why would we need extra help? And so when I was talking to Thea, she had asked like, what sort of support do we have with the kids? And, you know, every once in a while, my parents will help us out. Like if we go on a trip or something, but that's not consistent. And so I had told her, I was like, you know, I've never really wanted to have somebody in our space. I don't really trust people with my kids. I'm so attached to them, like all these things. And so after I left Thea that day, she's like, why don't you and Drew both sit down and write down like the dream position? Like if you could have somebody come into your life, what would they do? What energy would they bring? What would they be like? And so I brought that home to Drew we both sat down and kind of mapped out what we wanted it to look like. And so one of the biggest shifts this year, and it literally happened a few months ago, is that we got part-time help. So one to two days a week, usually it's honestly been one day a week and one date night a week. And we have somebody that comes over for six hours. So it's like a six hour break and it has been life changing. So she's a local college student. She's amazing. I found her on care.com. I was super upfront that we wanted help with the kids first and foremost, but we also wanted some help around the house. So things like laundry, watering the plants, putting away the Instacart order, washing the fruit, prepping some food, like things like that. And she is this magical unicorn that we just love and our kids love her. And so getting help has allowed us to kind of be human again outside of our roles as parents. And for Drew, it's been really beautiful because he gets a day to himself. Otherwise, he's literally parenting seven days a week. And I get to not feel guilty for claiming the time that I genuinely need to recharge my battery. So it's interesting because this was a huge struggle last year and honestly, most of this year, but I'm chalking it up as a win at the end of this year of figuring out how to claim more me time, how to get more help, and how to just be like a human again outside of the many roles that I play. So that is a win for this year. Now, if self-care or even just like a sacred day or hour is something that you are dreaming of for 2024, let's think through how we can apply this for you. So first, get your wheels turning. Ask yourself, like, when do I feel most relaxed? When do I feel most at home in my body? When do I feel most like me? And when do I prefer to do this? So like what time of day, what season, like what does that look like? I think so many of us are so busy that like we don't even know what we would do with extra time, right? Like we're always the ones that are saying like when life slows down or after this next launch or whatever that is. And so we don't even know like what rest looks like for us. And so maybe first, the first step is just getting really honest of like, when do you relax? How do you recharge? How do you best unwind? What does that look like. And then the second thing is to think about what is one way that you can claim time, whether it's a sacred hour or a day where you can black it out, make it as important as the most important Zoom call of your life, like put it on the calendar. And that's been something that I've had to get really good at is like now with Fridays, 
I have to really fight the urge to work. I have to remind Drew, like, this is my time, even if it's just a few hours a day. And for me, what I found is that I need to get out of the house because if I'm in the house, I start organizing my closet or doing the laundry or doing all the other things. And so if I really want to get honest about like, what does recharging look like for me? I have to first define that and then I have to claim that. And then the last thing is, is what could be a quick activity that you invite into your life that relaxes you or calms your nervous system? And how can you make that a part of your routine? So for me, one thing that I do is every day when Drew leaves for school, he leaves with both of the girls in the car. That is my time to do a quick reset. So I've talked about this, like I don't have time for an extravagant morning routine. My morning begins when my kids wake me up and it's chaos until they get out the door. But when they get out the door, I do a quick reset. So for me, a lot of times it's laying on my PMF mat, laying in front of my red light and doing a meditation. And that just kind of starts my day off and restarts it. So it could be a five minute activity. It could be 20 minutes, whatever that is. But think about something that you can invite into your life that relaxes you and calms your nervous system and figure out a way to incorporate that into your life so that every time you do it, your body just comes back to itself and a natural state. A couple of things that I recommend meditation, deep breathing, maybe a quick yoga flow, whatever that looks like for you. So define that and get clarity. So the second thing that is a win that was something that sucked last year was fostering more friendships. This year, I really went in with a big intention of like, I want to be intentional with relationships. And I think part of that is that like, we're kind of getting out of the weeds of those really early parenting days, right? Like now my youngest is two, which is crazy. And so I feel like I had a little bit more emotional bandwidth to actually make that a priority. So if you're in the weeds and your friendships are sucking, it's okay, you're not failing. But this year, I really was intentional about what is this gonna look like? How do I wanna show up? So inside of episode 714, how to actually make and keep friends as a busy entrepreneur, I break down a few of the things that worked really well for me this year that leave friendships as a win for 2023. So here are a few of the things that I've been really intentional about with this piece of my life. So first, I really have been putting myself out there to make more local mom friends. This does not come naturally to me. This has not been easy. But one thing I found is that when you make one friend, you can kind of get introduced to more friends. And it's been really fun in this season of life. Like Coco's classmates are having birthday parties and I get to see more parents and we get to hang out and like we get to make plans. Just this morning, I had a local mom text thread where we were planning a get together. And so really put yourself out there. It can be awkward. There's amazing groups. There's local things and just kind of finding that connection point. And it's a bonus is if your kids like someone else's kids, because then if you do play dates, then you get in a little bit of that adult time while the kids play. I've also been really intentional with texting people every day and just checking in. This is something I've done for years and years and years, but I've added a little bit more intention with that this year. I've also prioritized, and I know that this is not possible for everyone, but this is something that was a huge win for me this year, is prioritizing little getaways with different groups of friends to really have that concentrated time. And one thing I laugh about about that is that most of those were like spa trips. So someone was like, are you like at the spa every week? And I was like, the only way I can get moms to step away from their children and go on a vacation is to promise them a rub down and a massage. And so I was able to do a trip with my colleagues 
college roommates. I was able to do a trip with my Wisconsin friends. I was able to do a trip with my work friends. And so I was able to travel and incorporate that piece of my passion into it and get together with friends. And that was just like really, really soul filling and something I want to carry over into next year. So to recap for this year, I'm very proud to say that I feel like friendships were a huge win this year and something that I really value and something I'm glad I put some more intention and time and energy into. So if fostering more friendships is a goal of yours for 2024, here are some of the biggest tips that I outlined in episode 714. Again, you can go and listen to that full episode. We've linked it in today's show notes and show description for you. But first, be the person who reaches out. Next, get a date on the calendar. Like while you are gathered with your community, have everyone pull out their calendars and make the next date so that it happens. Get creative at what connecting looks like. So whether it's a play date or a spa weekend or going to the library or meeting up for a movie, whatever that is, just get creative around it. Be present when you are together. So put your phones away and just really focus on that one-on-one or that group time and commit and just show up. So I know a lot of times people like, I don't know if anyone else is like this, but when I get a lot of plans on my calendar, sometimes I like pray that someone else is going to cancel because I just want to like stay home in my sweatpants. But every time I go out, I'm so grateful I did. And so commit and show up. Just make that your priority. Okay. The next thing that went from what sucked to what rocked this year was moving my body. So one of my biggest struggles last year is that I was on this huge health journey, which a lot of you have been kind of watching unfold for two years. So basically, since Quinn was born, I really got this new intention around my health, my vitality, my energy. And last year, I really dialed in my blood work and I dialed in my nutrition. But one of the areas that I really struggled with was just finding a way to move my body. You know, it's really hard when you think about for decades you think of exercise as this way to punish your body and then to flip the script and try to think about like, oh, moving is celebrating my body. Moving is enjoying my body. Moving is showing my body what it can do. And so this year I wanted to be really intentional with what movement looked like, but also what it felt like. And I feel like I've been able to massively kind of tip the scales and prioritize different types of movement that feel good for me and that I enjoy. Now, this doesn't mean that I've been perfect by any means. I feel like there have been a lot of ebbs and flows this year, but a few things that have been really great for me. So one, we ended up getting a Peloton treadmill and it has been a game changer. I hate to say it, but we have not used our Peloton bike in months. The treadmill is amazing. And so I actually got like a desk that goes on it. And oftentimes, if I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit a workout in, I will walk at an incline and take calls, meetings, I'll review, copy, like I can actually get a ton of work done on it. And I think that I was worried. I'm like, how am I going to be able to focus? But I think with my ADHD, having that movement and having to focus actually helps me get a lot done. So that's been a really great way to get movement in while not really thinking about it. The other thing that I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of like these gentle strength workouts. I wanted to really feel strong this year. Like that was my word of the year was to feel strong. 
And so it was really interesting because I think that when I set that intention, I was envisioning like getting back into my CrossFit days where I was like deadlifting hundreds of pounds and like doing all of this like heavy weight work. And that totally didn't happen that way. But what I've really been focusing on is like this like inner strength and like strengthening those like micro muscles, like the muscles that maybe don't look impressive, but you can feel them. So I've been doing a lot of workouts like Melissa Wood Health. I love her workouts. They're really strengthening. It's like two pound weights, but it's shockingly hard. And so I've been doing a lot of those workouts. And then usually every Saturday morning, I've been really consistent. There's a hot yoga sculpt class that I really like. And it's like my one time of the week where I like leave the house. I'm in community with other people. I've gotten to know people in the yoga class and it is an intense and hard class. And so it's been like a good mix of what the workouts look like. And it's felt really good for me. So it's been really interesting as I've continued to journey and really just kind of changed the relationship that I've had with things like eating and working out. And it's an evolution that is only going to continue into the next year. But I love thinking through how last year that was a huge focus of mine. And this year it just felt like there was a lot more ease around that topic. So if you are someone who really wants to prioritize your health for 2024, here are a few things that I want you to think about. So first, instead of focusing on what you want to look like, focus on what you want to feel like. For me, the biggest shift happened when I got really clear that like, I want to feel vibrant and energized and I want to focus on that feeling. And my body is going to change as I work towards that goal, but the body changing is not the goal itself. The number on the scale has nothing to do with that. I just want to feel really good. Looking for a new podcast to add to your business building lineup? I have the perfect recommendation for you. Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. JJ Peterson, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. From what you should actually be saying in your nurture emails to how AI can save you time and money to practical tips for turning your website into a sales machine, Dr. JJ Peterson does exactly what he promises each week. He makes marketing simple. Listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts today. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. The next is 
if you are trying to prioritize working out, one of the hacks that I've done, because there are absolutely days where I still don't want to do it, is I tell myself, just get started. And if after five minutes you want to quit, you can. And what's so interesting is that every time I've done that, I've never quit. I just have to get moving. Getting started is the hardest thing. So if you have to tell yourself that, just get started. And if it sucks and you want to quit in five minutes, you can do that. And chances are you're going to finish the workout. And then lastly is find ways that you enjoy moving your body. So if you have historically only done one certain type of workout and you hate it and you dread it and you don't look forward to it, try different workouts. There are so many fun workouts out there. There's Pilates, there's bar, there's yoga, there's strength training, there's treadmill, there's boot camps. There's like so so many different ways you can move your body. There's dancing in your kitchen with your kids. Like we did relay races at our house the other day on our driveway. And it was like so fun. And I'm like, this is moving our body. And it's not necessarily something you're tracking on your Apple watch, but it's movement and it's joyful. So if you don't love working out, find a way that you do enjoy it and start to make room for that in your life. Okay. The next win for this year, and I'm going to say this with a massive caveat, is just motherhood. You know, it is the hardest, but the most beautiful job on the planet. And I just feel like when I look at this year, like we just really enjoy parenting. And again, that's not to say it's not hard or there aren't days where I'm just like counting down till the kids are in bed. But you know, we were at swimming lessons the other night. We're like getting to be like real parents, like in like the parent schedule type thing. And I was talking to this woman whose daughter was also in a swimming lesson. And she had been talking with Drew the last two weeks. And she said, it's so fun talking to your husband. He just lights up when he talks about you girls. And I just paused for a minute and reflected of like, we really do light up about our kids. And every night when they go to bed, we're just like, man, they're so awesome. They're so cool. They're so smart. They're so brave. They're so beautiful. Like, I feel like we're very awake to the gift of parenting and the fleeting nature of parenting. And we really find a lot of joy in it. We find a lot of joy in our children. And so it's just interesting and beautiful to be able to watch your children evolve and grow and, you know, it's crazy, like Coco now wants to write out our grocery shopping lists and we do brain quests during breakfast. And, you know, they're just at these stages where they're just developing like lightning speed. And so it's just this constant reminder to like be awake to it, stay awake to it. You know, as parents, we're on the same team. Let's not battle each other and figure that out. But I do feel like parenting overall was a win this year. And there was just like a lot of joy in parenthood. And I've had a lot of moments this year where I've just really unpacked, like, how can this process and this thing be joyful? Because it goes so fast and it's only going to go faster. One thing that I love about parenthood is just like the partnership. It was so fun. One of my team members, Marissa, came to stay with us for a few days. We were wrapping up a launch and doing some annual planning. And she has one daughter and she was just witnessing the amount of teamwork that goes on between me and Drew every single day with the kids. 
And it's so funny because I'm so lucky to have a partner who is very, very involved, who takes the brunt of, you know, the housework and planning and different things like that. But she was just laughing because she's like, you guys are like a delicate dance. Like, you know, we just have the things we do. Like I get the kids up and dressed every morning. He starts breakfast. He makes the lunch. We pack the backpack. I do the hair. I get the socks and shoes on. We load them up into the car. Like there's just this literal dance happening every single day. Bedtime is like a dance where I'm putting Coco to bed. Then I'm meeting Quinn up. Then I'm putting Quinn down. Drew's reading to Quinn while I'm reading to Coco. Like it's just this like huge teamwork thing. And I feel really fortunate that I feel like we found a really good groove in parenthood this year. And that's chalked up as a what worked. So if you are someone who is already parent or you're hoping to become one or you will become one in the next year, here are a few unsolicited pieces of advice for you. So first, do not isolate yourself in the motherhood experience. Whether you are joyful in it or it's feeling really hard, try to find at least one other mom to be there for you, to send out the SOS texts, to ask, is this normal or what should I do? I just think that having community and motherhood is an absolute game changer. And the only other thing I want to say is do your best to enjoy every season, even the hard ones. The one constant in parenthood is that everything is always changing. It is so fleeting. When things are going amazing, they might turn a little bit and take a turn. And when things are really hard, it's so temporary. Everything about parenthood is so temporary. And so try to stay awake to that. And remind yourself of that as you're navigating all of the different seasons that parenthood is going to bring to you. Okay. The next thing that worked is our team rhythm and launching. So it was really interesting because last year was a really like interesting year in the business because I launched my book and launching a book took up so much time and energy and promotion and space. And so this year felt really easy and really light because we didn't have a book to put out into the world. And so the rhythm of this year felt beautiful. There was this really nice, relaxed ebb and flow doing one launch per quarter that gave us enough time to like optimize and strategize at a restful pace. And then the launching part was so much fun. We had our best ever launches this year for every single launch we did. And I feel like that's not even possible, but it is like we did the best we've ever done with each of my courses, with our affiliate launches. It was just like a chart topping year. And it was so promising because I feel like there's always a piece of you that you're like, okay, this worked in the past, but is it still going to work? it's still working. That is awesome. So one of the things that I've talked about on the show lately is just the business is kind of in this beautiful place where it's like more rinse and repeat. And it's everything that I work to build it to, to get to this point, because that allows me to be more freed up as a mom. It allows me to just be more freed up in this season and stage of my life. But it also allows me to be so intentional with the offers we have. So we recently did an episode talking about how you don't need to create more things. You need to go deeper on what's already working. And that worked really well this year. And we're going to carry that forward. So if getting into that sort of business model where you can anticipate where you are not creating from scratch, where it is more rinse and repeat, if that is on your goal or your vision board for 2024, here are three things that you should do. So first, do an inventory. Look at what is working. Get really, really clear at what is driving the results. Remember Pareto's principle, usually 10% of our efforts lead to 90% of our results. When you can get really clear on that, you know what you need to do in order to grow the business or sustain it. 
The second thing is, is create a rhythm that allows for more ease and optimization in your offers. So again, instead of focusing on creating new things, look at how you can optimize what's already working for you at an ease filled pace. And then lastly, get organized and track your progress. We had a recent episode, episode number 726. And it's, if you want bigger results, you have to do this. And it is all about tracking and measurement. It'll walk you through how to set up Google analytics, measure your efforts, how to use that data in a way that helps you to make educated decisions moving forward. That episode is a gold mine for you if getting to this place in business is one of your goals. Okay. The last thing that I want to talk about in terms of what worked this year is just the results around this year. I am just like blown away. So we had two separate million dollar launches, which is so insane. And I remember one time listening to a podcast episode and the host was talking about a million dollar launch. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So if I just painted a four minute mile for you, you're welcome. It's real. We had two separate million dollar launches, which were amazing. And the best part was, is that they weren't super stressful. They were really fun and just incredible. We brought in over 175,000 new email subscribers to my email list. I love my email community. You know, my email list is my number one way that we drive profits in the business. That is huge. I love showing up in people's inboxes every single week, serving them with incredible exclusive info. And so that was a huge win. We had our top year ever in our course sales. So our online courses, we just hit the highest year we've ever hit by a landslide in our course sales, which was amazing. And something to note here is like, I have not created a new course in over four years. So these are courses that I've had running and refining and optimizing over the last four plus years. And so again, a reminder, you don't need more offers, make your offers really, really good. We were able to double our affiliate revenue from last year, which was a huge win. So we literally were able to double what we earned from affiliates. And if you want to learn more about that, we have a free guide. It's linked in the show notes, but it's jennacutcher.com slash affiliate guide. If you want to learn how to get your first sale as an affiliate, affiliate marketing is one of my favorite things. And then lastly, a huge result contributor was our chat automation. So I've talked about this on multiple podcast episodes this year. But through our chat automations, meaning when you're on Instagram and I say, DM me the word chat, and then a sequence happens and a funnel happens and you're served, that has been a huge contributor to this year's success. So through our chat automations, we were able to collect over 50,000 new email addresses new to our brand. We were also able to drive over $1.6 million in revenue, and that's only counting the launches. So not counting our evergreen efforts, our email list growth or anything. So a huge contribution to our increase in profits this year had to do with our chat automations. If you're curious, our top three chat campaigns that we ran this year were our Pinterest lab launch. So our webinar registration to teach people how to use Pinterest, our podcast lab launch, which was our webinar registration to teach people how to start a podcast and our level up quiz where we ask you some questions and serve you with the best resource that is based on your needs. 
And it was just an amazing year using that. So if you want to see how to do this and learn how to do it for yourself, hop on over to Instagram at Jenna Kutcher, DM me the word chat, C-H-A-T. Just send me a DM with the word chat. You can see how this sequence works and you can be connected to the people who are doing it for us and who taught us everything about this. But that would be the number one results driving strategy that I would definitely consider adding for 2024 for you. And it was a huge win in terms of what worked for us this year. All right. So what sucked this year? All right, let's get to it. Let's be honest. You probably came here to listen to this part because we all love hearing where people struggled, which is such a weird thing about being a human. So first, there was a lot of change this year for me. And it was really interesting because at first when I was thinking, okay, what sucked about this year? There really wasn't a lot of things that were like standing out in my brain. I am forever an optimist. I can't help it. I've always been this way. But when I really started to think about it, there was a lot of change this year. So first, we moved into our new house, but it was delayed. So we were kind of displaced and our stuff was in boxes and we had storage units. And again, it was like the most beautiful blessing and a dream come true. But being displaced with kids, messing up school schedules, you know, it was just a tricky start to the year. It felt like we weren't grounded and it felt like we were just in this very long transition. And so that was how we started this year. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The next big change that we encountered is there was a lot of changes on my team. 
And it's so interesting because most of my team members have been with me for years and years and years. So Kylie, who is the producer of this show, left for great reason. We recorded a whole podcast episode about that. And then I ended up adding three new team members and a handful of new contractors in the business. So there was just like a lot of transition within the team itself, which was slightly overwhelming. And I am someone who doesn't have this desire to have a massive team. And so just that expansion just felt uncomfortable. We also transitioned platforms for many different things like the podcast. And I had to learn all these new systems and we kind of had to create new standard operating procedures and learn new things. And like, I am someone, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm not super tech savvy. And so doing a lot of those transitions just left me feeling like a little untethered. And then lastly, we brought on new contractors. So we're really growing our LinkedIn strategy. We're also exploring YouTube. So if you like to watch the podcast, you can now go watch it on YouTube. We're experimenting with these different areas. And so we had a lot more meetings and a ton more Slack channels. And if you were to ask me, Jenna, what is your dream day? My dream day is a day on the calendar where I have nothing scheduled. And so having a ton of meetings, some of them that are weekly meetings, I don't know. It's something about my personality. It drains me. And there's probably people you're probably listening to this and you're like, Jenna, I have like eight back to back meetings a day every single day. And like, I am just not built that way. I love to have the freedom on the calendar. And I'm not saying I like a free day to like go gallivant around when I have a free day, I get so much work done, but I like doing it and like following my own energy. It's very weird. And there's also this ADHD thing like today, I have one appointment at like 4 p.m. And all I can think about is that appointment. Like I'm so close to not getting anything done today because all I can think about is my chiropractor appointment at 4.45 p.m. My brain is crazy. I don't know how to explain it, but that is a struggle for me. The next thing that didn't work that drove me absolutely bonkers is what was working on social media this year? It was so annoying. So this is kind of a funny one, but it is a pain point and it's something you might be feeling too. Did anyone else notice that the only content that was really popping off, especially towards the end of the year, was content talking about how much money you make? I hate that content. If you saw that content come out of me, I was cringing right alongside of you. I do not like creating that content. I think it's dumb and I don't think it often tells the full story and whatever, but that was the content that was performing. And it was so frustrating to me because like I create my own content. I'm paying attention to trends. I'm watching what is trending. I'm trying to pay attention to like what's working because I can see that social media now gets us epic results because of this many chat integration and this chat funnel thing. And so it is worthy of my time. However, when the content that you're working so hard on isn't translating the way you want it to, and the only content that is working is content that makes you cringe, that sucks. That totally sucked. So it was just really annoying because even like for a launch, I created 30 reels. I, Jenna Kutcher, created 30 reels for one launch. Two of them had to do with money. Those two drove 90% of our results. How annoying. So that really sucked. And I really hope that things shift because to me, it is not about the money. It is about the freedom. It is about the peace. It is about the joy. It is about being in control of your own life and choosing your own adventure. The money is a vehicle for a lot of that, but it's not the only reason why I do that. In fact, it's very low on the list. And so to have to lead with that to get people's attention, oh, annoying. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is something that I have not shared at all. Even my podcast producer didn't know this until she looked at this outline. 
I got a health diagnosis this year, later this year, and I haven't talked about it publicly, but I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's very interesting because Drew and I ended up going in for elective MRIs. We had met a few people and we know a few people who had done these and they had found cancer and different things. And I can get a lot of anxiety around my health. And so we elected to do these MRIs. And when the results came back, one of the things that they noted on my MRI, which was overall very, very clean, was that I have so many cysts on my ovaries. Like they literally wrote like too many to count and that I need to go in and that there's a good chance that one of them can rupture. And there's just like a lot of things around that. And my response to that was very twofold. So part of me was relieved to have that diagnosis. And part of me was like angry that I never received that diagnosis in all the years of like my fertility struggles, miscarriages, trying to conceive, weight, like so many things in my life, like where now I'm like, oh my gosh, it added up. Now here's the blessing of this. So the blessing of this is that so many of the lifestyle changes I've literally made over the last six years after my second miscarriage are things that help contribute to not allowing PCOS to have a huge impact on you. So what's beautiful about this is now that I'm aware that I have it, looking back, I have made so many of the shifts that doctors would have prescribed for me that I likely would have been very overwhelmed by if I would have gotten them all at once. And so I, you know, I don't eat gluten. I have really been focusing on my cortisol. I've changed the way I move my body. I've been focusing on blood sugar stabilization and metabolic health. There's so many things I've been doing unknowingly to support my body And I'm grateful that I've been doing those things on my own, but I'm also like, would it have changed anything if I would have known this? I don't know. I don't know. But I got that diagnosis. What's really interesting is according to the World Health Organization, PCOS affects an estimated 8 to 13% of reproductive aged women and up to 70% of affected women remain undiagnosed worldwide. And so... Just Google PCOS symptoms and see if you fall under there. There are so many symptoms that I had. And again, there was this little piece of me, this little knowing that thought that I might have it. But just getting that diagnosis was really interesting. And I really went inward when I got the diagnosis because I just wasn't really sure what to feel or think about it. But now I've kind of let some of my healthcare professionals in on it and shared those results. And now we're kind of trying to work towards an even better plan to just help ease the symptoms that come along with it. And it's just an interesting thing. So didn't talk about that, but that happened this year. Another thing that happened this year is I just had a much deeper desire for privacy. It's interesting, even this podcast episode, I'm like, I haven't shared some of this stuff. And I have lived a public life. And I mean, I'm not a famous person. But like, if you think about it, like my journey has just like unfolded in front of the eyes of hundreds of thousands, even a million people. And so I've just been used to running a business in the public. And so what's interesting is, is I've always actually been a pretty private person. Like I am comfortable sharing certain aspects of my life. And I'm also very sacred with other aspects of my life. And so this year, that desire for privacy just like increased tenfold. I think being a mom really shifted that for me. I think that I've had to learn the difference between privacy and secrets And really get comfortable with like, not everyone is entitled to know everything about me and that's okay. 
And so it's just been really interesting navigating having a personal brand, which I love and I love connecting with you and I love letting you into my life, but also really saving space for what I consider sacred. And so in this season, I've just felt way more protective, way more private, way more inward, which has been just really interesting. I did a whole episode about not sharing my kids' faces online anymore. So Mother's Day hit and it was the day where everyone shows how beautiful their children are. And I just felt this deep guttural mama instinct of like, done, I'm just done. So we have not shared their faces online for months and months and months. And that was a huge shift for me as someone who has openly shared so much. And that has felt so good and so in alignment with me. And this is not out of judgment of what you choose. But I also just think that we are the first generation that are raising our kids in this digital space where like their lives are unfolding online. And so we do have to have some level of discernment of what is appropriate and what our kids are going to want to have out there on the internet about them. And so I've really tried to find a balance of sharing motherhood because it is a massive part of who I am and what I love and what I do, while also being conscious of my children's own stories and their privacy and their own unfolding of their lives. And so that's been really interesting, but I just feel like I'm just craving more privacy and I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but it was still something that was like sucky and hard to like navigate. Another thing that I failed at (laughs) this year, and it was on the suck list of last year, so I really didn't do much to improve it, is just figuring out how to support this crazy brain of mine. Oh, ADHD. So I got diagnosed with ADHD, gosh, was it a year ago or two years ago now? And one of the things I wanted to work on this year that I just didn't do a great job at is just figuring out how to support my brain better. And this is really a carryover from last year because I feel like I'm still just getting to know myself and understand what ADHD is and how it presents and all these things. And I found some amazing Instagram accounts that like keep me laughing because I'm like, oh my gosh, they're inside of my brain. But I feel like one thing that was really hard this year is that Marissa, who's like my right hand integrator, she was my integrator for years and years and years. She transitioned into a new role within the company. And so I didn't really have that buffer between me. So before it was almost like she like my bodyguard digitally, where people would go to her and then she would figure out how to task different things for me and get things onto my calendar. And once she transitioned, I really wanted to respect that transition and pull her out of that. And so I lost the buffer. And so people were just constantly coming to me and I can get so derailed so quickly with like one Slack message. And so that is something I really want to work on next year because I feel like there were so many days where I had a million tabs open, both metaphorically and realistically in my life. And it just doesn't feel good. Like it just doesn't feel like you're actually moving the needle. It doesn't feel like you're doing what matters. It doesn't feel like you're being productive. And I just, I want to get better at that. One thing that was very helpful in that realm was just having an office space. Um, But as someone with ADHD, I have to like move around. So like just today, I worked from my bed. I worked from the kitchen island. I worked on the couch. Like I liked variety, but having this office has been great in terms of like really hammering out work and focusing there. So improvements, but something I definitely need to explore more with my ADHD. Two final things of what sucked. Um, So I started therapy this year. And if you've ever done therapy, you know that it kind of sucks, right? Like it's so good, but it kind of sucks. That's how I can describe it. Every time I see a therapy appointment on my calendar, I'm like, oh, 
I don't want to do it. And then I do it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I did it. So I did a girl's trip with a bunch of people who you probably know and follow on the internet. And we stayed in this beautiful house and it was just like really, really wonderful. And we were kind of talking about just different things we've experienced in our lives. And my friend Mel Robbins was like, I think you need therapy. And she said it in a nice way. It wasn't like a bad way. We were working through some things. And she told me about her therapist who she loves. And so after that trip, I got on that therapist wait list because she is very, very in demand. And I had to wait a couple months to start with her. And it's so interesting because I was like, I just want to start now. But I was also like, I have not done therapy ever in 35 years of life, which is crazy. And so I just waited and waited and waited. And so I recently started therapy right around fall of this year. And it's been beautiful. I feel like it's broken me open. I feel like it's been hard. I feel like it has me processing a lot of things. I feel like it has me going back in time. And it's, you know, it's only the beginning, which is so interesting. And one of the things that I love about it is that the woman I'm working with, it's not necessarily like me just sitting down and like just unleashing everything that's happened in my life for the week, but she's giving me a lot of tools to really just have a deeper sense of awareness and consciousness around the way I'm thinking or feeling and really pay attention to those things. And so I feel like I'm walking away with literal tools to explore how I'm making decisions or how my past impacted me or how I want to parent my children. And I feel like therapy is hard because I'm looking at it through two lenses, right? I'm looking at it through the lens of like my own inner child work, my own shadow work, my own wounded daughter work. But I'm also looking at it through the lens of like, what do I want for my kids? What do I want them to experience? What do I want them to believe? So it's just beautiful and raw. And I feel like it's like ripping me open, but it's been good and hard. So it sucked and it's also worked. And I think that falls under that category there. And then the last thing that I would say sucked about this year, and it's really hard to even put into words is like, I just sense that a shift is coming and I don't know what it is. And so I feel like I'm walking through a room with just a flashlight and I can kind of get glimpses and I can kind of get urges and intuitive nudges, but like, I, I don't know what it is. So I just am like sensing, like there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a change. There's going to be something new. But like, I don't even know which direction to move into. Like my human design is, is like, if you give me a step-by-step process, I am going to execute on it. But when there are things like this, where I just like sense something, but I don't know what it is, it's really hard because you're just like in the middle and I'm working with someone and she's like, you're going to know what it is when it comes. You'll have utter clarity on it. So I'm just like waiting. So I'm definitely in a waiting season. I don't know what that is. And one of my goals for next year is to keep my calendar a little bit more easeful so that I have more bandwidth to like go inward because I've just really found, and you know, this is something I've talked about in my book. I've talked about a lot is just like the more that I leave time and space to go inward and get honest with myself and ask myself the bigger questions, that's how I start to like reveal what's next. And when I'm too busy to do that, I just keep doing much of the same. So that would be the last thing that sucked is just like the sensing of change and evolution and shift without really knowing what that is and how it's going to look. So final year reflection. So earlier this year, Drew and I sat down and we outlined what our intentions were. We had it in a shared document, which I loved. And I visited it only a couple times this year. I wasn't really great at it. So this year I'm going to like have to like print it out and put it on my desk. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like have it be like in my awareness 
every day. But here were my intentions for this year. So two solo three-day getaways, which this one was like not a hit or a miss. It was kind of like a shade of gray. I did get in a few work trips where I traveled without my family, but I didn't actually end up doing like a solo getaway, which I think would be really good for me. So this is something that I'm putting onto my 2024 vision board. My goal would be to do like a wellness getaway that's solo, like just be alone with myself. So that's my goal. So I kind of did this, kind of didn't do this. One thing I did that was really awesome is that whenever I traveled for work, I always extended it by one day so that I didn't get home just feeling exhausted. So I had one extra day. That was awesome. Another goal that I had on my vision board for this year was to strength train three times a week. I feel like I did accomplish this, but not in the way I intended. So like I said, I kind of envisioned like me getting really bulky and strong again. And that didn't really happen, but I did get a lot of inner strength and a lot of like small muscle strength with my yoga and Pilates and my little hand weights. So I feel like I did this, but maybe just not in the way I thought. One of my biggest intentions was a solo weekend trip with Coco. So Drew and I this year, we both had this intention of we want to take our girl on one-on-one time. So daddy and Coco time, mommy and Coco time. This child loves to travel. And I would say if you're considering doing this, ages four to five are the perfect time because she like is very aware of travel and she knows what happens and she's excited to go on the airplane and things like that. So I took her to Chicago. We had the best weekend ever. We ate noodles in bed. We went swimming five times in the pool. We went to the National Museum of Ice Cream. It was so much fun. And I hope that it's like the first of like 50 different mother-daughter days. Like I want this to be an annual thing where we escape for a weekend. Drew took her to the Mall of America. They went on roller coasters. They went shopping. They ate at the Rainforest Cafe. And like these are her core memories. So That was a huge win and something that is also going to carry over. Another goal of mine was to host one time per month at our new house, which we did. And I turned from a person who hates hosting to someone who loves hosting. Now, here's my caveat. If you come over to my house, we're probably going to order Domino's pizza. We just had a birthday party. We had Domino's pizza and a Dairy Queen cake. That is just my style of hosting. You're not going to get like a perfect charcuterie board. The table's not going to be set beautifully. I just don't roll that way. I don't function that way, but I will be present with you and you're going to have a great time. So hosting was so much fun and I just love hosting in this house. So that was awesome. Another goal of mine, which was a total fail, was playing piano three times a week. I was in the practice at the beginning of the year, totally fell off the bandwagon. So this is something that is going to carry forward onto the next one. I want to do more things with my hands that don't require a screen. So playing piano is perfect. So 2024, I'm coming for you with the piano. Transition to four-day work weeks, total win. We did this successfully. We might have done it a little later than we had initially intended, but we're sticking to it. Me and my team love it. So that was a huge win. And then lastly, take one week off per quarter. And I'm not totally confident on this one. I think I got close to this. It might not have been like I'm taking this whole week off at a time, but I definitely took off days here and there for trips and things like that. And I definitely logged off to spend a lot of time with family and friends. So that felt really good. But I might get a little more, a little bit more intentional of like blackout dates just to like really be present in whatever is happening. So there you have it. I have yet to finalize 2024's list. You'll probably hear about it on this very show. Once I do that, something tells me it's going to be a lot of the same. I loved this year. Overall, I loved this year. I just... I really, I can't say it in any other way. I loved this year. So I think I'm going to carry over a lot of these goals and intentions and this feeling and desire for peace and ease in 2024. I cannot wait for it. 
And I just want to say before we sign off, thank you so much for inviting me into your life and hopefully walking alongside of me throughout this entire year. It is such a joy and a privilege and an honor to get to show up into your earbuds every single week. And until next time or next year, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.